college football season is in the books. Oklahoma on a four-game winning streak now. The Sooners at 5-2 and two after a 62-9 to nine thrashing of the Kansas Jayhawks. What's up, everybody? Matt Hofeld with the Sooner Nation podcast. And, you know, um, I guess in my, my, uh, my best Sam Ellinger voice, we're back. You know, I, I apologize for the delay uh, for the pause in our podcasting and posting at heartland-sports.com. Dealing with some family issues and uh, very much appreciate many of you who have reached out just to check in on us. You know, that's what's great about what we do. We don't do this to get rich because clearly we're not. We don't do this for fame and fortune because it ain't there. But we do it because we love the Sooners. We love community. And, uh, you know, some of you guys just kind of notice an absence in the podcast schedule. You know, it's an absence on posting at Heartland Sports. And uh, things are good. Things are fine. Um, just had a family crisis. And um, now I'm back, but I'm flying solo because Rich is gone. But uh, let's talk Oklahoma football. That's, that's going to give a little bit of a recap of the win over Kansas by this time, you know, all the ins and outs of that. I do have some thoughts I want to share with you. We're going to talk about the bye week. What does Oklahoma need to do? I think offensively there was one major thing that the Sooners need to do as they get ready for Bedlam uh, in primetime under the lights in Norman. First time ever primetime kickoff for Bedlam in Norman. Um, So I'm going to talk about that and then look at the big 12 because the big 12 championship is far from being determined, and there is a player out there that Oklahoma fans may not want to admit, but there's a player out there for the Big 12 Championship that um, that we got to talk about as well. So let, let's let's start with Oklahoma, Kansas. Just some quick thoughts. You know, first of all, it was Kansas. So the fact that the Sooners were up 31 to three at the half kind of tells the story here. You you've got you have to thrash Kansas. You have to beat them. You have to thrash them. And you have to, you know, complete dominance, particularly on your home field. And that's exactly what Oklahoma did. Both sides of the ball completely dominated. And I hate to use I hate to use the word hapless here when we're talking about a Big 12 football team, but that's exactly what the Jayhawks are. They're hapless. There, there is this team is worse than they were a year ago. They they have regressed, if that's even possible, for a, a program that is at such a low here, but they've regressed in year two of less miles. They have not gotten better. Quarterback play hasn't gotten better. Offensive line play hasn't gotten better. Defensive play hasn't gotten better. This is one of the worst teams in all of college football. And and look, it, it just it is what it is. So when you're a, a team that's Oklahoma, you're ranked 19th in the country. You're trying to get back on your feet after a one and two start. You're trying to insert yourself back into the big 12 championship race. When this team comes across, they can't be any more than just a speed bump to you. I mean, not really, not even a speed bump. You wanted to be a chuck hole, you know, when those potholes in the road that, that you kind of dodge a little bit to get around, but it, it doesn't necessarily slow you down. You just kind of alter course a little bit so you can go around it. That's what Kansas has to be. And that's exactly what they were to Oklahoma. And when you look at this game, the, the number one thing you wanted to do is get out of here injury-free, right? I mean, you got to win the game, obviously, and you want to look good doing it, but then you want to avoid injuries. And that's where Oklahoma maybe stubbed their toe a little bit because you see the hip injury to Spencer Rattler. You see what appears to be a knee injury to Austin Stogner, and you think, crap, you know, right before Bedlam, you can't – clearly Spencer Rattler is a guy you got to have for Bedlam. Now, the good news is – Lincoln Riley said Saturday after the game, he also have said later on this week that Spencer Rattler could have stayed in the game. Uh, now it's, it's, there's no, you don't have to try to question what happened on his injury. You look at the play, he's crossing the goal line. He takes a hit right on the hip. You learn later, he's not wearing hip pads, um, and it just, I mean, that could be a, a bone bruise in the hip. It could be a muscle bruise. But there were some problems there with Spencer Rattler on 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 putting the pressure there, following through, and really using his hips. Now, a lot of people watch football and they don't know the intricacies, the ins and outs of how how you know how the game is played. They think, well, you know, the quarterback's arm strength is all that's important. Well, it isn't true. Arm strength is really important for a quarterback, but really the ability to use his hips in the throwing motion is the most 
in, I mean, it's incredibly important to be able to properly use your hips. That helps you with velocity. It helps you with accuracy and it helps you with distance. And when a quarterback can't properly use his hip, can't turn into his hips, then then it really affects the way he puts the ball in the air. And if you notice after that injury, you didn't really see a lot of Rattler challenging vertically. You saw him doing some more dink and dunk type passes to try to work that out. And again, going back to what Lincoln Riley said, it, it appeared that he had come along in working that that out. And Riley said if it was needed, he could have played longer. Um, so you, you got to hope that you give this kid the week off. You, you ice him, you um, you heat him, whatever you do to, to get that bruise healed up as much as possible. But uh, he should be good to go when the Cowboys come calling here in a week and a half. The other injury, you look at Austin Stogner, and I don't, I don't mean this disrespectfully in any way. I hope Austin Stogner is available to play in Bedlam, but clearly of the two injuries, if, if you could only have one back, you want Spencer Rattler back. Austin Stogner has so much potential, and we've talked about it. We, we've written about it on the website. We've talked about it here on this podcast. I mean, he's got so much potential, but he's not yet that guy that you want him to be. He, he's He's highly inconsistent. He was having a great game, when he left, he left in the second quarter and still led, led the team in receiving yards, three catches, 75 yards, and a score. So, um, you know, he's important. I, I, don't, I don't want to come across as if he's not important because he certainly is. But when you look at his inconsistencies and you look at the rise of Marvin Mins, you look at the rise, how can you not love what Mikey Henderson is doing um, out of that H-back position? Theo Weiss is coming along. I mean, Austin Stogner, you want him on the team. You want him on the field. But call me crazy, I think he's replaceable if he's not available. Now, don't confuse that with um, with me saying that Oklahoma doesn't need him. Because clearly, if he's good to go, you want him on the field. But if, it, if it's a situation where you get to Thursday of next week, and you're not for sure, I mean, you just don't know if he can go, you start making plans, and I think you can make good plans without Austin Stogner. I don't think you can make good plans without Spencer Rattler. Tanner Mordecai has been good. You saw him come in in the Texas game and kind of let Rattler go collect himself, and, and Rattler has been fantastic since that moment. And I, I think we're going to look back on that, and that's going to be a defining moment both for Spencer Rattler and for Lincoln Riley. You know, there was a lot of talk. Oh my gosh, Lincoln Riley just just benched his star quarterback. And and think about the talk that was coming into this season, whether Riley was able to and, and it's such it's such I, I mean, I, I don't know the word I'm 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 looking for here, other than to say it's just a weak argument because again, and I've said this. I this I, I think people and by the way, the announcers on Saturday fit right into this mold. I think people look at at Lincoln Riley, they look at Oklahoma and they look for a reason to criticize. And so you've got Lincoln Riley who worked with Baker Mayfield, who was a transfer from Texas Tech. He worked with Kyler Murray, who was a transfer from Texas A&M. And he worked with Jalen Hurts, who was a transfer from Alabama. And they say, no, now he, we got to see. We got to see if he can if he can really develop a quarterback. Is this something that Lincoln Riley can do? And it's it's ignorant. I think that's the word I'm looking for. It's such a position and argument of ignorance because if you watch Baker Mayfield play as a freshman at Texas Tech, you saw potential. You saw a lot of potential in this guy. But the Baker Mayfield that played as a freshman at Texas Tech and the Baker Mayfield that left the University of Oklahoma as a Heisman winner, not the same guy. Not even close to the same guy. Same thing with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray showed flashes of brilliance as a freshman at Texas A&M, but he was incredibly injury prone, right? Not injury prone, turnover prone, sorry. He was incredibly turnover prone. And, the, and he comes to Norman and he sets with Lincoln Riley for two years. And, and the Kyler Murray that left Norman, Oklahoma is not the same Kyler Murray that's 
that's that left College Station. Completely different guy. Jalen Hurts was only on campus for a year at most. I mean, I don't think he was here for a full year. And the Jalen Hurts that, that left Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and the Jalen Hurts that left Norman, Oklahoma, not the same guy. You think Jalen Hurts is getting reps for the Philadelphia Eagles right now if he stayed in Alabama? You think Kyler Murray was going to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft if he stayed in College Station? You think Baker Mayfield, number one overall draft pick by the Cleveland Browns, if he stays in Lubbock, Texas? No. None of that is happening. And what's the consistency there? It's the, the constant there is Lincoln Riley. And so for, for people to say, well, you know, we got to see what he can do now to develop his own guy. I think he's doing a pretty dang good job. Because the Spencer Rattler we just saw after game seven is not the Spencer Rattler we saw in game one or game two or game three. And I can 100% tell you the Spencer Rattler we saw post that benching against Texas. I said benching, okay, B-E-N-C-H-I-N-G, just in case we're trying to keep our PG rating. But after getting benched in the second quarter against Texas, Third quarter and on has been a different Spencer Rattler. In fact, he just threw his first interception against Kansas since he came back in that third quarter against Texas. So he went all the, all. I mean, he, he went the two quarters, second half against Texas, the four overtimes against Texas. He went to TCU. I mean, you, 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 look, you look at what he's doing and he's winning. And he's not only is he winning, but he's not turning the ball over. He didn't turn it over in Lubbock. He didn't turn it over in Fort Worth. And then he comes back to Norman, and he makes he makes what? Uh, now listen, I, I I don't know how to describe this because it's it's both at fault. Okay, it was a it was a bad in my opinion, bad decision on Spencer Rattler to put the ball there. Bad decision, but. It was a terrible effort by Charleston Rambo, who totally gave up on the play. I, I don't know if Rambo thought the ball was going to someone else. I, I don't know if Rambo was, I hope this isn't the case. I don't know if he was afraid of taking a hit over the middle. But Rambo gave up on that play, which resulted in the interception. But it's his first one since the, since the first half of Texas. That's a lot of football. It's a lot of football playing. And we're seeing the maturity of this of this kid. And now the next step that we have to see in him is knowing when, where, and how to take a hit. Knowing when, where, and how to take a hit. I mean, that's that's something that everybody grows up, especially if you're a star. If you're a star in high school, right, that means you're better than just about anybody else out on the field. That's what that means. You're a star in high school, so you can do some things that other players can't. When you run the ball, when you fling the ball, I mean, just how you play when you're the star, it's different. And then, and then you come to the collegiate level, and guess what? Out of the 22 guys on the field at any given time, probably 18 of those guys were the stars in high school. And so Spencer Rattler, he's got to know when, where, and how to take a hit. And and it, he did everything right at the goal line. It was the right place. It was the win. It was the where. This is the time. You got to get this touchdown that's on the line. You know, score. They've got you covered. You're rolling out to your right. They've got you got your receivers not open. Don't force anything. That's the maturity we see in the quarterback. So the time is right. The location is right. You're within striking distance. You go. Now he's got to work on the how. He's got to work on the how. Because the way he exposed himself to take that goal line hit is what I promise you Lincoln Riley and probably a dozen other coaches and maybe even some teammates are saying in the film study, listen, man, if you're not going to wear hip pads, you can't expose your hip. You've got a shoulder pad, and I get it that the shoulder is important, to the quarterback, so you don't expose your right shoulder if you're right-handed. You don't expose your left shoulder if you're left-handed. But you certainly don't expose your hips if you don't have hip pads on. You go, you lower your head, you go opposite shoulder. 
or you square up and you dive straight in. So he's going to work on the how. That's it. He's got the win and the wear down, I believe. Now he's going to work on the how. But overall, great performance for Oklahoma's offense and um, defense even better. But real fast, Oklahoma's offense, 31 first downs, 540 total yards, 9.4 yards per pass completion, or pass attempts, excuse me, six and a half yards per rush. And Ramondre Stevenson, we're going to come back to him, but Ramondre Stevenson is a man among boys. He could have broken, easily, easily could have broken uh, Samaj P. Ryan's record that he set against Kansas. Um 9.5 yards per carry on average, two scores. He only carried the ball 11 times, 104 yards. A good performance overall for Oklahoma offensively. And let's talk defensively because that was even better. The college football regular season is going to go well into December. There was this thing called the NBA bubble. UFC has its own fight island. Yeah, it's pretty clear 2020 has been a year unlike any other, which is why you need a sports book, which offers unlike any other. Get some skin in the game with my bookie where the odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with Turkey Day right around the corner, there's really no better time to feast on some NFL action. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there's no shortage of value to be found on the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform giving you access to the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close. So you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up at MyBookie. And when you do so, use the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, OVERTIME, to get your deposit matched up to half, all the way up to 1000 bucks. Here's how the terms are. It's really simple. You put in 200 they'll match you with another 100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is just free money for you. It's a winning season at MyBookie, so come join in the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Defensively, Oklahoma held Kansas State to just 16 first downs for the entire game. Three of 19, the Jayhawks were on third down, 246 total yards. Now, we know the garbage time touchdown that literally came as clock expired, uh, time expired, I guess, off the clock. 151 passing yards, 14 of 35, 95 rushing yards. Again, another opponent Oklahoma plays and holds them under nine, under 100 yards. And then the Sooners turn over the Jayhawks twice. A, a great performance by Oklahoma defensively. And here's what's ridiculous. I mean, you, you look at the number of quarterback sacks, and it was nine. It's just ridiculous numbers across the board. But do you something I haven't heard talked about enough, or maybe, at, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you tell me how much you've heard this talked about. Ronnie Perkins had 11 quarterback hurries. 11. Now he ended with one and a half sacks. Isaiah Thomas with one and a half. Marcus Stripling with one and a half. You know, uh, again, Oklahoma on their way to nine total quarterback sacks, but Ronnie Perkins had 11, 11 quarterback hurries. Sooners with 11 tackles for loss as well. And here's what's developing with this Oklahoma defense. We talk about the speed defense, okay? And we think a lot of times we associate that speed defense moniker towards the secondary and there's still plenty of room that needs to be made up in the secondary, but you add, add kind of chasing a rabbit here. You have to uh, love and appreciate what you're seeing out of Trey Norwood. The last two games, right? Texas tech. And then Kansas, the play that Trey Norwood is, is, is offering has been better. And you just want to see that this team continue to push forward. And even Buki gets an interception I mean, he probably gives it right back. And I mean, I know there's lots of thoughts out there whether that was fumble or not a fumble. But here's the deal. Here's what it comes down to. I'm still not for sure how the Big 12 ruled on that. I mean, I know how they ruled it. They ruled it a fumble, but how they came to that conclusion, I'm not 100% certain on that. And But here's the thing. Ball security, right? Ball security. 
You've got the ball. You're running down the sidelines. You have to keep it secure. And we're talking about a defensive back, not a receiver, not an offensive player, but something to learn from ball security. Buki was going to the house. He's got the speed. He's got the, the agility. He knew he was locked into where he was going. Next time he's got to lock in on securing the ball, but you get two turnovers, you get better play out of your secondary, particularly there with Trey Norwood, but the speed defense that, that conveys to the guys up front as well. And even before Ronnie Perkins, these guys up front were doing some amazing things. And now you add Ronnie Perkins. And it's almost just, it's almost not fair. Particularly when you're going up against a an offensive line like what Kansas has right now. And and to fast forward into next week's previewing, and you've got the patchwork offensive line that Oklahoma State is dealing with at the moment. This for me, this is the number, this is what I am most confident in going into Bedlam. It is Oklahoma's defensive front versus Oklahoma State's offensive front. Oklahoma State has has a good running back in Chuba Hubbard. L.D. Brown is outplaying him right now. I would even say that Chuba is just kind of lethargic. He's there because he knows he's going to collect a paycheck. Not from Oklahoma State. That would be cheating, right? But he, you know what I mean. He's there to try to improve his draft stock, and I don't know that he is. I mean, his draft stock's not falling, but it's certainly not rising based off of what we're seeing from him this season. He's just there. And I think part of it is, you know, that what's up front for Oklahoma State. And you, you ha- if you've watched this team play, if you watched them play over the last month even, this defense is getting much better. Keep in mind, people were wanting to fire Alex Grinch after the Iowa State loss. You remember that? It's not working. Speed defense, scrap it. Where's Brent Venables? Oh, if we could have Mike Stoops back. I mean, listen, we are a fickle fan base. I get it. We are as fickle as they come. But man, it's it's time to start giving Alex Grinch, Calvin Thibodeau, those guys, Jamar Chain, those guys that are working on this defense, it is time to start giving them their due. Because last four games, here's some crazy stats. The last four games, four games only, Oklahoma is averaging nearly 10 tackles per loss per game. Nearly 10 tackles per loss per game. That is that is a sign of a team living in the opponent's backfield, meaning they are just dominating at the point of attack. 11 tackles for a loss just Saturday against Kansas State. So the last four games, the Sooners have 20 quarterback sacks, 39 tackles for loss. That, I mean, if, if you're Oklahoma and you're you're trying to fix a secondary that, that, that was clearly broken, one of the best ways to do that is to take time away from the quarterback. And that's what they're doing. The quarterbacks have a hot read. And then they have their number one. Now, here's the difference. The hot read is if you get the ball and there's a defender there, you you got you know exactly where you're going. And then you go through your progression. Typically, the hot read is not the first option in the progression. The hot read is the emergency guy. It's usually a, a, a quick slant. It's a, it's a dumping off to a back or a, a tight end right there, at either right behind the line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage. Those are the hot reads. That is, man, they, they've broken through, and here they are, boom, getting rid of the ball. And then you go through your progressions, you one, two, three, four, so forth down the line. There's no time right now for opposing quarterbacks really to get past two, and sometimes they can't even get to two. And so now if you're a, if you're a defensive back and you're in coverage, you don't have to cover for four or five seconds. you got to just stay on your man for three seconds. And by that time, the quarterback is either running the ball or he's dumped it or he's going to force it into the first or second option, which is why you're seeing a rise in interceptions because they're jumping on those. 
They're studying tendencies. They're looking at the quarterback's eyes. They're watching the patterns, and they're, they're sitting on the routes. And that's why you're starting to see that. And when you look at, again, moving ahead to next week and previewing Bedlam a little bit, we'll jump way more into that next week. But when you look at a, a quarterback who has been prone to turn the ball over, also a quarterback who has been dinged up this season. I, I, listen, if you're Oklahoma and you're you're Oklahoma defensive personnel, you're looking for for some turnovers and you're looking for some pressures, but you also have to contain. Because Sanders is a guy that can hurt you if you can't contain him. And I know Mike Gundy is going to scheme in there to do some delayed draws with his quarterback. He's going to scheme in there to do some rollouts with his quarterback. That's just smart offensive coaching. But this speed defense is we're quickly hit shooting those gaps and we're overpowering at the point of attack. And then we're, we're shutting that window down for your quarterback to make a throw. Man, you got you to love what you're seeing if you're an Oklahoma football fan from this defense, and if you're one of those who was in the field of fire, you know, fire Alex Grinch a month and a half ago, I'd love to hear from you. Hit us up on Twitter, at Sports Heartland on Twitter, and let, have you changed? Has your opinion about Alex Grinch changed since the Iowa State loss? I, I never was in the Alex Grinch, you know, should get fired boat, but I will tell you this. After the Iowa State loss, I was down on this defense. I was way down on this defense. And now I'm seeing I'm seeing I'm seeing them come around. I'm seeing them make progress. And now I'm excited because this defense who is learning to to just overpower at the point of attack has a week off to figure out some new stunting and some new blitzing and some new coverage for a game that is the biggest game left on Oklahoma's schedule. It's, it, it, Bedlam's huge, guys. You got to win it. And if you win it, you have a really, really good chance of making it to the Big 12 championship game. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But Bedlam is huge. And defensively, you have a huge advantage. I mean, people, rightfully so, have talked about Oklahoma State's defense. But to me, the defensive advantage clearly is on the favor of Oklahoma's sideline because of what they can do up front. Okay, so you're Oklahoma. You're in your uh, second bye week, maybe 14th bye week, it feels like. Um, What do you do? What is this team focusing on? I I said there's one thing that I really feel like they they need to do offensively. I'm going to talk about that. But clearly the thing that you really want to focus on is getting healthy. We talked about Spencer Rattler. We talked about Austin Stogner at the onset. Keep in mind, we saw guys get banged up after the Texas game. Remember seeing Isaiah Thomas kind of get banged up. Um, You know, we saw Josh Ellison get banged up. And those guys came back two weeks later against TCU and were, were just stellar, right? And so that's what you're hoping to see with Spencer Rattler. It's what you're hoping to see with Austin Stogner. So you got you to gotta nurse those guys back to health. It, it, I, I don't get paid the big bucks. Probably would have a different podcasting platform if I did. I don't get paid the big bucks, but I'm, spent, to me, this week, Spencer Rattler has a very, very light week. Tanner Mordecai is getting a ton of reps. Chandler Morris is getting a ton of reps. And Spindler, Spencer Rattler is getting a ton of rehab and physical therapy this week to try to get that bruise on his hip worked out the best way possible. But here's what here's what I think Oklahoma should do offensively during the bye week. Well, you got to focus on Ramondre Stevenson. More specifically, they got to focus on taking advantage of Ramondre Stevenson. I already talked about his game against Kansas. 11 carries, 104 yards, average 9.5 yards per carry. He scored two touchdowns. Also, not a bad 15-yard per reception average out of the backfield. Four receptions, 60 yards. That placed him second on the team um, in receiving yards and really was number one on the team, if you want to know the truth, in number of receptions. 
So you've got a weapon that is growing if you're Oklahoma. So what do you want to do with him? Well, clearly you want to use him, right? On the season, the two games, uh, Texas Tech and Kansas, he's got 191 rushing yards and five touchdowns. He's averaging eight yards per carry on 24 rushing attempts. So you want to use him. He's got to be an integral part of your offense, but you also want to take advantage of him. And what I mean by that is you you know coming into to Bedlam, he will be the focal point of the Cowboy defense. They're going to be looking for number 29, where he is on the field, and they're going to focus on him. And that gives you a huge opportunity to take advantage. Yeah, you want to hand him the ball. You want him to run. Yeah, you want him to flare out and you want to throw some passes at him. But when when number 29 is the focus of the defense, that means Spencer Rattler is not going to be the focus of the defense. With, with, every, with the linebackers looking right at Ramondre Stevenson and with the safeties biting it up on every play fake, that means Theo Weiss, one-on-one coverage most likely. Charleston Rambo, one-on-one coverage most likely. Austin Stogner, one-on-one coverage, most likely. And you go down that list of receivers. What happens when you put Ramondre Stevenson and Jeremiah Hall in the backfield at the same time? Ramondre Stevenson and Mikey Henderson. All of a sudden, you have a huge advantage in what you can do because of where the focal point of the defense is. And we talked about this a couple of episodes back on our podcast. In fact, it's probably after the Texas Tech game because I don't, I don't think we were, because of my family situation, I don't think we were able to record post-Texas Tech. Well, we did one, whatever. But the point I'm making is we talked about with Ramondre Stevenson on the field and successful for Lincoln Riley, it opens up the entire playbook. And that's exactly what's happening. Because it's not just, I talked about Chuba Hubbard, right? I talked about Chuba Hubbard just going through the motions, kind of being lethargic back there. That is not at all what Ramondre Stevenson is doing. He is not lethargic. He is not going through the motions. When he runs, he runs hard. When he blocks, he blocks hard. When he goes out for a passing route, he goes out to be successful. So there's, there's a difference between having number 29 in the backfield and focusing on number 29 in the backfield. And, and now Lincoln Riley has all these plays accessible to him because of where the defensive focus is going to be. And that right there is the reason why Spencer Rattler played so long after the hip injury. You see him score, you see him get hurt, you see Tanner Mordecai come in, and then you think, okay, Rattler's done. You don't need him. In fact, the guys on TV kept saying, you don't need him. Did did you not notice that, again, just such a terrible broadcast crew? Why is Lincoln Riley throwing the ball so much? Did you hear the one time? Well, I don't know what Stephen Pledger's in there. Why are they not with Ramondre Stevenson? Hello, Stephen Pledger's the starter. Um... I just it drives me nuts when guys who are paid to do their job clearly did not do research going into the game. Their soapbox tangent over. But here, let's go back to this. Why did Spencer Rattler come back out in the third quarter? Because Lincoln Riley wants Spencer Rattler to see certain sets live. There, there's one thing about doing something in practice. You line it up in practice and you run it against your number two defense. That's one thing. But to line it up in a game, just just the set, not the play, not not where he, here's what here's what Lincoln Riley. I I promise you, here's what Lincoln Riley told Spencer Rattler. He said, Spence, I'm just assuming he calls him Spence. I don't know. I think if your name's Spencer, people close to you can call you Spence, right? But he's like, hey, Spence. We're going to line up in this set. Here's what I want you to look at on this play. Look at this receiver and how the safety shades him. Or does a linebacker come out on the H-back? I want you to see when when Ramondre is behind you or to the side of you, what does that safety do? Where are those linebackers? Where are their eyes? I want you to see all of that, and then I want you to dump the ball. And that's what they did. 
So now they're going to take that film. They're going to see what Spencer Rattler actually saw in a game setting, and they're going to put together a game plan for Oklahoma State based off of that limited experience that Spencer Rattler got. And it makes perfect sense to me. I don't know why it didn't make perfect sense to the guys watching on television because I know Mike Gundy and Jim Knowles are saying, oh, crap. They're going to they're gonna line up in this set, and they're not going to do what they did against Kansas. They lined up on this set, and then they dumped it to the tight end. They lined up in this set. They did a flare out to Charleston Rambo. They lined up in this set, and they, you know, they handed the ball off. We know they're not going to do that, but they're going to do something out of this set. And so now put yourself in the position of an Oklahoma State defense. You see that exact same set that, that Oklahoma ran in the third quarter against Kansas. And you know they're not going to run the play that they ran against Kansas, but they're going to do something. And who do you focus on? Do you, do you focus on Ramondre Stevenson? Your linebackers do. What do your safeties do? Your corners are in isolation now. They're they're on that island one on one. Man, I, I I talked about in the last segment advantages that the defense has up front by overpowering what is a, a literally a patchwork offensive line that Oklahoma state is dealing with right now. That, that advantage right there goes in Oklahoma's favor. When you look at the tools and the weapons that Lincoln Riley has and the tools and the weapons that Mike Gundy has, and look, it's not chopped liver that Oklahoma state's running out there. It's, it's just not. But there are, there are so many more weapons in the arsenal of Lincoln Riley than there are in the arsenal of Mike Gundy. And you can't help but think that's an advantage to Oklahoma. Having a healthy Ramondre Stevenson is a full advantage to Oklahoma. So now you got to figure out how are you going to take advantage of this? And I promise you, you you go back and you pay attention to those sets, particularly the way you saw late second quarter and third quarter with Spencer Rattler there. You look at those sets, you will see them in Bedlam. Now, they're going to do something totally different out of them, but you're going to see those sets. And by set, I mean the way they lined everybody up. Where the quarterback is, obviously behind the center, where the running back lines up left or right, you got trips left, three receivers left. Oh, you got trips right, three receivers right. Are you running four receivers? You got an H back. Watch where everyone lines up, and it, you will see some of the exact same sets because there was something that Lincoln Riley was trying to get Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders? No. I can't believe I just did that. I think that may be the first time I've actually done that this whole season. Um, you're, you want to – now I'm totally lost. Lincoln Riley was trying to get Spencer Rattler – to see one or two specific things against a live opposing defense. And he got exactly what he wanted. He he got the information he needed. Spencer Rattler checked that box. Yep, coach, I got it. And then they pulled him. And then it was Tanner Mordecai and Chandler Morris time. By the way, congratulations, Chandler Morris, for your first touchdown as a Sooner. So there it is. Now it sets up a big, big bedlam battle in Norman with the winner most likely heading to the Big 12 championship game. We'll talk about that as we close out the podcast. So Oklahoma currently sits at 5-2 and two on the season, 4-2 and two in conference play, and the Sooners are locked in a three-way tie in third place right now. Kansas State, Oklahoma, and Texas all at 4-2. and two. Teams that control their own destiny are Iowa State and Oklahoma State. The Cyclones are 5-1 and one in conference play. Oklahoma State 4-2 and two in conference play. Here's the thing. If you're Oklahoma, you need to be in a logjam. We've known this since the Iowa State loss that the Sooners are going to need help. And there's this, this misconception that Oklahoma has to be at the top. You got to be the number one team in the Big 12. No, you don't. You have to be number two. And that's, that's that's all there is to it. You have to be number two. If you're number two, you're in the Big 12 championship game. And that's where Oklahoma needs to be. And that's why Bedlam becomes so important. Currently, four teams ranked in the Big 12. Oklahoma State, the highest ranked team in the Big 12 at number 14. 
Iowa State number 17, Oklahoma right behind Iowa State at number 18, and then Texas at number 21. Why am I telling you this? Because here's what becomes really important. Kansas State has dropped out of the top 25. The Wildcats four and two on the, uh, excuse me, four and three overall on the season, four and two in conference play. If you get four or five teams tied the same conference record, there's still a chance Iowa State could lose another game. But if you get four teams, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Oklahoma, and Texas, if you get four teams tied, then the head-to-head tiebreakers don't matter anymore. You start looking at other things down the line, and one of the things that you look at is the ranking. So right now, Oklahoma is the third highest ranked out of the four teams. But if you beat Oklahoma State on Saturday, a week from Saturday in Norman, if you win Bedlam, Oklahoma is going to surpass Oklahoma State. Iowa State most likely becomes the highest ranked team in the Big 12. And that's okay. You don't have to be number one. You only have to be number two. So you you can't do anything about the Kansas State loss. But they seem to have kind of taken care of that themselves. And and I, I, I said this, and I, I'm going to keep saying it. I don't think the Wildcats are finished losing. But it really would help Oklahoma if they lose, and it would help Oklahoma if they win. If they lose, then you don't have to worry about tie-breaking scenarios between Oklahoma State and Texas because you've already beaten the Longhorns, and hopefully you're going to beat Oklahoma State in Bedlam. So it takes what would have been a four-way tie and turns it into a three-way tie with you having the tiebreakers over both schools. And so it kind of does yourself a favor. If Kansas State wins out and you keep that four-way tie, then again, it creates this nightmare tiebreaker scenario for the Big 12. And still, that would be favorable to Oklahoma because of the ranking that they're going to have. There's a chance if Oklahoma wins out the final three games that they will be at the end at the end of the month at the as you go into December they will be the highest ranked team in the Big 12. There there is a chance for that. But here's what you have to watch out for. And I, I mean this in the like most sincere forms. Texas is lurking. This team has we Oklahoma has won four in a row. Well, guess what? Texas has won three in a row. And one of those is a really good win in Stillwater over what used to be the sixth-ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys. Now, there's no no games in the Big 12 this weekend that are going to help or hurt Oklahoma's cause. TCU's at West Virginia. Baylor's at Texas Tech. Both of All four of those, both of those games involve four teams that are out of the conference race at this point. West Virginia, TCU, they need a miracle. Oklahoma needs some help. They're looking good, though, but they still need help. TCU, West Virginia, they need a miracle. All right? They just need it. So no, there's no game in the Big 12 this weekend that's going to help you. And then Texas off this weekend, but their next game is at Kansas, and then Iowa State. If, if you're an Oklahoma fan... That that game either way helps helps you in my opinion, because if Texas beats Iowa State, it creates again that nightmare scenario with a bunch of two lost teams. If Iowa State beats Texas at that point, it eliminates the Longhorns. But then you need Texas to beat Kansas State the week after. Texas Tech, one way or the other, I believe is still going to uh, Texas Tech. The Texas Longhorns, one way or the other, is still going to be a player in this scenario. Win or lose against Iowa State, they're going to affect the Big 12 championship scenarios. Win or lose against Kansas State, they're going to affect the Big 12 championship scenarios. So that, that's a team, I, I don't, I, I can tell you this, as an Oklahoma fan, I'm okay without having another shot at Texas this season. I just am. 
I mean, I, I'm just, um, I don't want it. I'm, I'm not saying I'm afraid of Texas, but maybe I am a little bit. In Kansas State, they're at Iowa State after being off on the bye this weekend. The 21st, they play at Iowa State, at Baylor, and Texas. Somewhere in there, in my opinion, is at least one more loss for the Wildcats. And most likely, it's going to be at Iowa State. Could be at Texas as uh, could be against Texas as well, but most likely at Iowa State, in my opinion. And then we know, I mean, we know Bedlam's coming. But Oklahoma State, they they have it pretty soft after Bedlam. They've got Texas Tech, TCU, and Baylor still on their schedule. And and here's why that's this is crazy, because they're scheduled to play Baylor on the 12th of December. So it, it could actually mean that we're going to push back and delay the Big 12 championship game until after that Baylor-Oklahoma State game based on how this standings and tiebreaker scenarios and so forth all play out. So you look at the schedules, and there's three or four games left on each of the, the front-runner schedules, but they're pretty much all against each other. Iowa State plays Kansas State. We already talked about it. And then they're at Texas. We already talked about it. And then West Virginia. This is a race that's going to come all the way down to the wire. And it's going to be a lot of fun. There's a ton of football left to be played in the Big 12. And it, it goes beyond. I mean, it's it, yeah, it's, it's three games for Oklahoma. But I also believe it's going to be three weekends of just kind of some intense pressure as everything shakes out. Oklahoma State, Kansas State last weekend, 20 to 18, the Cowboys win, and it's a game where they won off of turnovers. The Wildcats were able to slow down the Oklahoma State offense in the first half, and then Oklahoma State got some things rolling thanks thanks to turnovers in the second half to, to get edge out against Kansas State. But you're starting to see the Big 12 shape up with the top half and the bottom half. There is a clear top half and a bottom half. Baylor, you know, they they give Iowa State a run for their money for the first 30 minutes, but then you saw the true Baylor scoring 10 points in the second half while Iowa State scored 28. It kind of a muscle flicks. West Virginia... Just, I, I believe they're just on the bottom half. I, 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 and maybe that's where I, Kansas State is. But West Virginia, you know, they, West Virginia has, they have themselves to blame for losing against Texas. And this, I think this is why I don't want to see Oklahoma play Texas again. Because Texas, ever since that loss in the Cotton Bowl, Texas has been probably the most fortunate team in the Big 12. I think Oklahoma has been since the the second half and forward of, of of the Texas game. Oklahoma has been the best team in the Big 12, hands down. In my in my opinion, third quarter of the Texas game on, there's not been a better team in the Big 12 than what Oklahoma has produced. And Ronnie Perkins and Ramondre Stevenson being back the last two weeks has just moved that to a different level. But all that said, there's not been a more lucky team in the Big 12 than Texas. Just to think that this team is now back in the top 25. Five and two on the season. And let's think about how they're winning games. They they beat Oklahoma State because of turnovers. Cowboys turn the ball over four times. Texas gets out of Stillwater with an overtime victory. That's luck. In my opinion, Texas not the better team. But Oklahoma State gave the ball away four times. You look back at Oklahoma's loss to Kansas State and you see just how much turning the ball over can affect the game. I don't think there's anybody out there who believes that Kansas State is a better football team than Oklahoma. But Oklahoma gave the ball away repeatedly. And they they lost. Texas lucked into winning in Stillwater. And then they they win by four against West Virginia where the Mountaineers only score that, that... they, they were playing not to lose as opposed to playing to win, in my opinion, because they only scored six points in the second half, the Mountaineers did, 
But they also left six points on the field by going for it on fourth and short when they could have kicked a field goal. Guess what happens if you kick those field goals? You win the game. You lost by four, and you left six points on the field. That's easy math. But Texas has backdoored themselves into two wins based off of luck. And like I said, the last three games of their schedule, win or lose, they're going to be a determining factor in how this whole situation shakes out. And they're lucky right now. And as the old adage goes, rather be lucky than good, right? Well, they're they're lucky. They're not good. But they're winning on luck, and you, at some point, you got to think the luck's going to run out. But do you really, if you're if you're an Oklahoma fan, do you want to take that gamble of seeing a team riding a hot streak, winning by turnovers, winning by poor coaching decisions from your opponent? Do you want to do you want to roll the dice in Arlington with that team? I would much rather take another shot at Iowa State. I'm that fan that I want redemption. We've beaten Texas, right? We've beaten them. We don't need them again. I'm looking at Iowa State, and I'm gunning for you, Brock Purdy. I want another shot at you. I, I want another shot at you chucking the ball up and seeing now if the defensive backs can hang on to them. I want another shot at, at corralling Brees Hall with, a, with, a, with this front even better than what they were when they came to Ames. That's who I want. I want some redemption here. I don't want to waste my efforts. I don't want to waste my time. And I certainly don't want to roll the dice with the Texas Longhorns in Arlington, Texas. That's just my thoughts. I'd love to hear yours. At Sports Heartland, thanks so much. Um, sorry, at, at, yeah, at Sports Heartland on Twitter. I'm getting a little bit absent-minded here. Um, you can find us on the internet, heartland-sports.com. Uh, with our thoughts and opinions and so forth towards Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Big 12 football in general. You can subscribe to the Sooner Nation podcast anywhere podcasts are found. We'd always love to hear back from you. So hit us up and let us know. Have a fantastic week. We'll be back to talk some Bedlam later on. Boomer Sooner, everybody.